Coming up today, we have some Disney news. We have the Rocketeer review, and one of us has decided that it is more important to go to Disney World than to be on this podcast. That's coming up next on Traveling with the Mouse. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 288 of Traveling with the Mouse. Today is Friday, October the 9th, and I, amazingly enough, am, like, driving right now on the way to Tennessee and doing this podcast. So I'm very impressed with what I'm doing, unlike some other people on this podcast. Mm. So, you know. Who shall we name nameless or... Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. I'm your host this week. My name is John, and I am joined, as always, by Adam. What's up, everybody? And I'm so, here. obviously, now you know the person that's absent is Jason, because, you know, he's incapable of <laughs> doing a podcast and enjoying himself at Disney World at the same time. I don't even know where he is today, but he is <laughs> well, at Walt Disney World. As we speak, he's on the Florida Turnpike driving oh, to Disney and... Most likely, he's the only one awake in the car, so we don't want to uh, startle anyone in the car by calling him right now. As you're probably listening to this, I'm actually on the road going in the opposite direction, so yes. just, just enjoy, pointing that out. Enjoy your Dollywood <laughs> uh, weekend. Right, so yeah, we had an interesting thing. We had two-thirds of us going off somewhere. One of us went south and one of us went north, both to theme parks, though, mm. so... I guess I should go east or west to a theme park. I don't know. Yeah. If you go east, I mean, unless you're going to Atlanta's theme park, I guess. Right. Out in the, yeah, out the middle so. of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, I guess I'd have to go out west somewhere. Yeah. You have to go to Disneyland. Oh, wait. Mm, still not open. Still not open. I guess that's a good segue to address Disneyland's. Yeah, why not? Issue Get into since, the news. Yeah, go straight into the news. Since I had that opportunity of taking a segue, I never really had an opportunity to take a segue. Even all those times I had him at Eb- Epcot, I never did take you that opportunity. All those years you spent as a mall cop, you never got to ride a segue? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> okay, now the segue is ruined. So I'll. St- Start this off with that says that Governor Newsom is in no hurry to issue theme park reopening guidelines and issues a statement on Bob Iger leaving the task force. Yeah. So ultimately, he said they don't anticipate in the immediate term of any of these larger parks opening until we see more stability in terms of the data. We feel there's no hurry to put out guidelines and we continue to work with the industry. But then he was asked about Bob Iger's sudden leave from the Economic Advisory Council. It was revealed it was due to disagreements over reopening guidelines, and he basically said there's disagreements in terms of opening a major theme park. We're going to let science and data make that determination. I understand the friction that many business leaders have that they want to move forward but we're going to be led by a health-first framework, and we're going to be stubborn about it. So, interesting choice of words, I guess. Yeah. He also puts in there that he said he had a wonderful conversation with Bob, who's been very active and participatory. I'm incredibly grateful for his support, his insight, his counsel. However, he still is not on the board. He still has resigned and walked away from it. 
So I guess he feels like he can't really offer any more input if they're not going to cooperate with what he thinks they can do. I don't really know exactly. I don't. Yeah, I I think I think Bob's making a statement here that like, look, we're you're not working with us, so I'm out. Well, it's kind of like when negotiations break down, you just walk away from the table, right? Yeah, that happens sometimes. Right. That is a negotiating tactic. (laughs) Yeah. Ironically, I'm in the middle of reading Bob Iger's book that came out last year and he talked a lot about his relationship with Steve Jobs in this book and this sounds to me like something he probably would have learned from From Steve Steve yeah it definitely got his attention because he's being asked about it a lot Governor Newsom he's definitely got a lot of pressure on him to do that and I appreciate that he's taking a health first approach to reopening things but I think Disney's proven and I'm sure Bob has been saying to him is Disney's proven that they can handle this. I mean, I think case in point, Bob Iger, if you're listening, is Jason from our podcast <laughs> is at Disney World right now. Right, and exactly. I think Disney has more than shown that they can handle a safety health first approach as well. Maybe governors looking at it from a perspective of, okay, Disney will probably do well, but maybe not all the others because you have other theme parks in the area and L.A. versus Orange County is very different. So do you give favoritism to Disney without, say, Universal being able to open or Knott's Berry Farm or other parks in that area? There's like a Six Flags in, in, in L.A. as well. So it's like, do you play favoritism with Disney or do you just assume that maybe Disney will do it right but not the others? So you just say no to everybody. And, you know, is that the approach or what? But No, I don't really think that's the approach. But I think there's more of a middle ground than he's willing to do. And that's why Bob walked away from the table. And you mentioned Steve Jobs, though. I mean, Steve Jobs, I mean, I know a lot of people don't like to speak uh, ill of the dead <laughs> in, that, in that way or anything. But, I mean, Steve Jobs had a reputation when he was here as being a major a-hole. I mean, he really did yeah. in a lot of ways. <laughs> so, um, but part of that is what got him to where he was, right? Right. But, I mean, he he had transformed over time where he had, you know, especially in his illness and everything, where he had become more, I don't really want to call it more docile, but... Yeah. He had changed some. I just That's right. the best way I know to describe it. Bob talked about his... He had a, a good friendship with Steve Jobs, but he also had some roadblocks with with Steve and some, some issues that, you know, talked to what, what you were mentioning about his ruthlessness and douchebaggery, if, if that's a word I can say on our show. His attitude and the way he uh, carried himself wasn't exactly the, the greatest, but but you can't deny the fact that he was a great visionary person and all that kind of stuff and well, inventive and all that. But People who are brilliant can often come off that way because they don't, they're straight shooters. They don't beat around the bush. They don't. No filter for one. Right. And they don't tolerate BS. (laughs) So maybe Bob Iger is taking a little bit of that in his own way. He's like taking some of Steve's advice and applying it to the way he handles some things. So, Well, this is a major sidetrack, but I will tell a story from the book that I thought was interesting from that talked about Bob and Steve. He said that before Art of Animation opened he took Steve Jobs down there to tour it and Steve thought it was terrible and that it wasn't fooling anybody is what he said as far as you know quality and what it was and Bob tried to explain that this is a value resort and it's for people who want to come to Disney but can't afford to pay the 
deluxe prices and all this stuff and and he talked about how Steve just thought it was is poor quality and not good enough and Steve at Apple always focused on quality over price and never considered you know trying to make something affordable it was always I make make the best possible quality products as as I can and I'm not going to worry about the price and whether some people can afford it or not, you know. So he just, it, it was the concept that he didn't understand. And, and Bob was said in the book that he's like, I would never make that mistake with Steve again. I would never bring him to something like that again. Well, see, and hearing you say that a little bit, I kind of, I mean, I can understand Steve's point of view to some degree. And I mean, I could see why it would come off and like actually offend some people. But yeah. he's basically just saying, you know, some of the stuff you're doing here, I get that in order for you to charge what you do here, you have to cut some corners in some places. But Steve's looking at a product as making it the best it possibly can be. But that's also going to involve cost and may have to charge more for it and stuff yeah. like that. He just, I guess, didn't entirely get it in, in a way. Yeah. But it's one of those things where I understand what he means. Yeah. But not everyone would. <laughs> right. In this case, I don't blame Steve Jobs because Bob made the comment that these rooms, he said, were under $100 a night. So they must have been touring the mermaid rooms, which at that time I would agree with Steve Jobs' assessment of the mermaid rooms anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. that, And if they were under 100 they must have been touring it like 20 years ago. Well, it was before so, it opened. Um... It was before it opened. <laughs> Because I oh, think it, the res- <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, the resort opened after Steve Jobs died, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't it open mm-hmm. in 2012? I think so. Yeah, Art yeah. of Animation. Yeah. So he, he had already passed away at that point. So yeah, It's not really that old, and it's already getting refurbs. But, I mean, it's getting refurbs for a good reason. Disney's going to a much better, cleaner format with the hard floors and the space under the beds, which Mermaid already has, by the way. I didn't realize that. I guess we missed that one. I don't think we talked about it in the news stories ever. But Yeah. The entire resort has been referred to that style, and that's including the mermaid rooms. And they also now have queen beds, which which mm. blows my mind because they're side by side. It's not even one of them's a queen sleeper, so I don't know how they managed to pull that off. Yeah, I got to um, see a picture of this because I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> but supposedly they're side by side, full queen beds, or let's say knock know. some walls down and make I was like, they did a miracle making use of that space. Yeah, <laughs> it's something that I would actually stay in now. <laughs> I mean, it's still not big, obviously, but as far as having the space under the beds and the beds not being small, I would actually stay in one. Yeah. Keeping it in Disneyland to a degree. Yeah. Let's try to get the sad news somewhat out of the way and not right. dwell on it this week because I think we did a pretty good bit already. <laughs> yeah, we've talked a lot about the yeah. details of this. Yeah. There's 1,800 union security guards, attraction operators, and meet and greet character performers to be laid off at Disneyland Resort to keep it in the Disneyland area for a moment. Yeah. 28,000 cast member mass layoff across the Disney Parks division and the details is basically what this is. 1,800 cast members at Disneyland Park and Disneyland California Adventure. And that's according to the OC Register. Disney has notified Teamsters Local 495 and the Independent Employment Service Association that it's Disneyland and Disney California Adventure employees will absorb the more than 1,800 layoffs, including Disneyland security guards, attraction operators, and meet-and-greet characters. So the latest numbers, Disneyland lays off 8,400 employees, or more than a quarter of Disneyland's 32,000 cast members. 
And of course, the Teamster 495 represents attraction mm-hmm. operators, meet and greet characters, parking attendants, ranch hands, animal handers, and such. 1,400 casts will be laid off from the union. And they will go into effect November the 1st with health benefits available through the end of the year in that particular case, I guess because theirs are starting on November 1st. Mm. More sad news coming out from the West as well as there's more in Disney World mm-hmm. in a lot of different areas. Service Trades Council Union says that 8,800 part-time cast members laid off and all union full-time cast welcome to return from furlough when business improves, which is, I guess, open-ended because what qualifies as business improves? <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I mean, they, they kind of put that language in there, I think, on purpose, you know, it's so that way they can, yeah, yeah, we don't know what that means. It's as vague as than what the capacity is these days. So. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, we'll get a sense when Jason comes back next week on his trip report about what the crowds were like and capacity was and yeah. So according to the release from the union, 5,299 full-time employees were previously indicated for layoffs and full-timers will now be given the opportunity based on seniority to return to their previous jobs if the business needs exist, which mm. if things continue in the direction they are, I think the business needs will exist sooner rather than later just because Disney seems to be inching towards increasing capacity this weekend should tell a tale when it's all said and done, like you say, as far as to how much they've increased it. Yeah, that's true. Holiday weekend. Yeah, this would be interesting. And those who have selected a new position and do not have the seniority to return to work will remain on furlough and continue to receive health insurance. Part-time cast members who were laid off join the 6,700 non-union cast who have been terminated and will have contractual right to be recalled to their old jobs until October the 1st. Yeah, just more layoffs continue. I get the reasons why, but I mean, it's weird that you went all this time and then all of a sudden you're open and then the layoffs like have been massive. I think people were expecting it though, to some degree, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. All right. So I said we're going to try to get all the bad news there with folks, but I have a couple more involving this, unfortunately. Right. This one's more like future plans in this particular case, but Walt Disney World plans to lay off 184 union carpenters and mechanics Mm. on the resort. I hope the maintenance doesn't suffer because of this. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, are these mechanics ones that work on the speedway? (laughs) uh... Well, it says 19 different positions, including mechanics for the cars and buses around the resort, welders, carpenters, support for the parks parades, which I guess that makes sense. They don't really need them right now for the parades as much or not as many yeah the number's tentative and could change before the layoffs begin which would be next month yeah that's unfortunate yeah just continuing more of the same as we were talking about yeah and just adding them to the list pretty much so it does make you wonder will we see any effects of this in the parks as even at the lower capacity lower you know maybe some of these jobs aren't needed in the sense that they don't have a place for them because the capacity is lower or certain things are not running right now or that kind of thing. But does kind of make you wonder, will this affect guest experience? Will we see that or not in the coming weeks and months? Yeah. I don't know. Time will tell. 
sad news. It's just <laughs> it sucks to have to talk. Yeah, about it really this. does. Like I said, I don't really want to dwell on these very long just because of that. I mean, because we don't want to drag people down. We know this is happening. We know it exists, and our hearts go out to these people that are now without a job for the time being. But just try to be encouraging and say this is something that will eventually pass, and hopefully, once it does, that you will get your positions back with Disney. Yeah. That's the that's the hope. Hopefully sooner rather than later. And go vote. Yep. We'll look at the bright side of things. Let's see. Five hundred and sixty baggage airline guests, services, employees laid off. So that includes valet, luggage, and Disney's Magical Express. Yeah. I don't know. I guess these are all third party employees. I know the Magical Express is. Let me see. Are they mirrors? They're mirrors. Those buses buses are mirrors, or at least they were the last time I checked. Okay. Yeah. So I'm guessing all of the that those departments are third party from the looks of this. I, d- I don't know all the which what companies yeah, that would be, but is this assuming less people are coming via the airline? Hence, oh yeah, why Disney's doing the discount to the drivable southeastern U.S. states right. for Disney World, trying to entice people to drive. And, you know, less people are flying anyway, so I imagine there's less need for for this service right now anyway. Yeah, 560. I don't know how many they normally have employed in that, but it sounds like that's a large number because I don't know how many they would have, especially just the bus routes, because I wouldn't think they would have a ton of bus routes and people handling the luggage because I thought they already got away from, from, you know, the luggage tags. Like you had to, once upon a time, when you use Disney's Magical Express, which I did use circa 2009, once you put the tags on the luggage and you took it to the airport, you know, and they they put it on, you never saw it again until you got to your room, right? Yeah. You didn't have to go get it at the airport, but they already changed it to where now you had to go get it at the airport at least. They would still take it on the actual bus. They would take it, you know, from, from that point, but you already did have to pick it up at the airport at least. Yeah. That was actually pretty nice, not having to worry about your luggage and just it'll just show up at your room. <laughs> right. This is an interesting thought I had and about flying versus driving, especially for us. The amount of time it would take to arrive at the airport, which you're supposed to be, you know, two hours before your flight. When now I think they want you to be a little longer than that. Plus the flight time, landing, getting luggage, renting a car, or taking Magical Express in this case. To get to your resort. I still think it might be a little faster to fly, but flying versus driving six and a half hours, what do you think? Seven well, hours? for me, I mean, I've, I've broken it down before. The main thing you're saving yourself is the tiredness that comes right. from driving sure, sure. seven to eight hours, whatever. Right. Because, like for me, it's roughly just under two hours to get to the airport. So then you have to be there two hours early. So it's four hours right there of time that you're having to set aside if you had just taken, like say if I just taken off and headed toward Florida versus flying, right? So that for me, that's four hours of time right there. And then the flight itself is roughly an hour. So it's five hours after you get that you're saving maybe an hour when it's all said and done. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Now, I realize with you, you're a little bit closer to the airport, so you might actually save a little more time yeah. than I would. Yeah, it just depends on how long it takes to drive from the airport to the resort or how long it would take Magical Express, depending on how many stops there were and so on. Yeah, I think it could be fairly close. 
of course, if you drive, that would mean like driving straight there and not maybe stopping for gas mm-hmm. and that's it, you know. So most families, I'm sure, take more stops than just like one maybe <laughs> right. from that trip. But. Yeah, see, I mean, I've done both the Magical Express and the Rent-A-Car yeah. after flying. So I've, I've done it both ways and it didn't really take a whole lot of time as far as the car rental goes. I don't think yeah. that it didn't take much, not then anyway. I don't know how it is now. Right. I would guess... From Atlanta, it would be probably an hour or two faster to fly, but still, is it? And like you said, the tired factor is probably the other yeah. reason that you know flying would be a little more comfortable than yeah, driving. Driving in a car can wear you out. Yeah, especially I mean, really that can. long. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe you go in with a group of people where you can trade driving. You just stop on the side of the road and trade places, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. There you go. All right. You mentioned, Jason, as we're recording this, he's actually still currently in transit to Walt Disney World. Where's, and he was staying at Yacht Club. I, had, I almost forgot it for a minute there. I was like, oh, yeah, he's staying at Yacht Club. So we'll have to hear what his thoughts are on Yacht Club after yeah. actually staying there. The time I stayed, I think I may have been influenced by the view that I had somewhat as far as to how well I enjoyed it, but maybe, maybe yeah. not. I don't know. I definitely had a terrible view. Like I mentioned on the show before, I was staring at the tennis courts and the Dolphin Resort, and the view was terrible, but the room was great. I loved that room quite yeah. a bit, actually. And the resort in general, I thought was fantastic. So I do think there, at every deluxe, there's probably rooms that aren't worth the price based on the view you get because oh, I can like, find that all over property. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean there's that's every hotel. So it's every resort at Disney has some rooms that are less desirable than others, but you're paying the same price for the two, you know. So Yeah, I've just about convinced myself anyway, we'll see that um the poly what you get for the price, it's not in my range anymore. I mean I just I I can get better for less. Yeah. Although I will say, pretty much every room I've had at Polynesian, I've not hated the view. No, I don't think. that's yeah. true. They they have a lot of good views. I would say in general, that one has some really, even if you're looking inward at the resort, it's a fantastic view. The only ones I wonder would be the buildings that would face towards the parking lot, and but then you kind of have a monorail view on those. So I'm like, well, is that bad? Yeah, that'd be cool to watch the monorail go by. So I don't know. haven't had one of those. I wonder if my opinion is somewhat skewed because I know how much the price has gone up over what I used to pay for yeah, some of this stuff. For sure, for sure. And like, what have they added that's really made it yeah. like Worth three times? A night. <laughs> yeah, this made it like three and four times the price it was. What have they actually added that's made this worth? You know what I'm saying? That's right. that's where I'm. That's the view I'm taking. Yeah. So exactly. maybe my maybe my viewpoint is a little skewed when it comes to that. Yeah. To me, it seems like it's become more expensive than the Grand Floridian. In my experience, looking at availability anyway, I found cheaper rooms at the Grand Floridian. That might speak to you know the state of the Grand Floridian, as we've talked about recently too. It's just yeah, it's I, not what it used to be. Yeah, I think as it stands, I'm becoming a mod man. I guess we'll put it that way. Yeah, as far as price, and that's the other thing. Once you have like two kids, mods look way more attractive. Uh, that, yeah, that's true. That too. That makes two kids really makes a difference uh, on the price because you, you're paying for more tickets, you're paying for more food, you're paying for more everything that they require. So yeah, they drain all the deluxe out of you. I always look at is what I'm getting worth what I'm paying really. 
Yeah. It's just like I felt about the princess rooms over at Riverside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I was like, it's pretty cool and all, but to me, I felt like it was only priced what it was because it was a princess room. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was no different than the other rooms other than the. Yeah. And the theme. size of it really wasn't even that impressive. <laughs> yeah. On top of that, I was like, and you're charging me something like I can get for a more spacious room at, say, even Caribbean Beach at this point. So, I I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I look at things like that. Like, am I getting my money's worth out of where I'm staying? Right. That's, that's that's part of my um, and the, uh, viewpoint these now days. are the prices that we were paying for the deluxes 15, 20 years ago. So. Yeah, that's true. And in yeah. some cases, 10 years ago. And I just look at Riviera and I'm like, I just can't justify paying even what they, even when they had it on sale just recently, I considered it, but I was like, I just can't justify paying that for what I'm getting over there. Yeah. It's the Epcot Resort yeah. Grand Floridian. Yeah. And it's fallen short right now. I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. It looks nice and everything, but as far as for, I think they're, they think more of it than, than it really is. Yeah. As far as they, the way they price it. Yeah. Like, I spent time walking around the resort, and, yeah, I just, I wasn't enjoying. Yeah. I, I wasn't like, I really have to stay here and pay Grand Floridian prices for this. And it wasn't very expansive, either. Like, mm-hmm. it, everything's... It's pretty compact. Compact, yeah. but it's compact in, like, your regular, like, hotel on Disney Springs kind of a way. Yeah. Does that yeah, make sense? It, right. It did. <laughs> right. It did have a. It didn't feel as Disney as some of the others. It felt a lot more like uh, it could be a, you know, Hilton or a DoubleTree or something. You know. Yeah. So anyway, I kind of went off on a rabbit trail with that one, but well, okay. I was back. Try to getting back on course when I was talking about Jason because he's going to be there, and the Liberty Square Riverboat, Tom Sawyer Island, <laughs> yes. are now closed for a three month refurbishment. At Magic Kingdom. So look for the tweets on his uh, account already about the rat. I'm sure he's going to have one. <laughs> about the coming up to the rope, maybe. <laughs> right. He's probably. <laughs> I'm sure he'll come up with something. Right. We'll have to see. I don't know. What day is MK Day for him again? I don't forget. Do you have any idea? I think it was Saturday. I done forgot. How did I just Saturday say that? Or su- <laughs> yeah. Saturday okay. or Sunday and then the Monday as well. So I think it might be Saturday and Monday. but Okay. Yeah, choosing Saturday for an MK? I don't know. That's 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 risky. Or is it Sunday? <laughs> I could be really. I know he's probably you yelling at his uh, <laughs> his his speaker right now as we're talking about this because he sent us his. But in our defense, Jason, you've changed your plans like eight times since you since exactly. you booked this thing. So. I can't really say much because whenever I just booked my recent one, it wasn't even twenty four hours before I changed it. <laughs> <laughs> right, before I changed where I was staying. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, the line from the Lion King Timon saying uh, it starts. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm more quoting uh, the Super Nintendo video game from the Lion King. Remember that word? Because that oh, yeah. line's out of context. Is it starts, but the line after oh. that is you think you know a guy. But anyway, I can't remember. But that was how the game started, or every level started was Timon going, it starts. Yeah. Oh, was that how it went? Okay. Yeah. I just, I guess I didn't remember that part. That's a throwback. For some, reason, for some reason, the only line that I kept going over in my head when it comes to the Super Nintendo games is the indie ones with, I've lost them. 
Right. Yeah, when you die, when, when you, you need died, to, and right, you needed to continue, right? right. Yeah. Like, I've lost him. <laughs> lost him. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I would say. Yep. All right. So yeah, that's that's going on. So anybody who is a big fan of the riverboat or the rafts, sorry for the next three months. I know at least one. <laughs> at, at least, least one. one. There's at least one. I idea. actually, I actually would have liked to have done the riverboat uh, again. Uh, well, I love the riverboat. I was talking about the rafts. Yeah. Oh yeah, the rest. There's at least That's what I'm one saying about the river. I imagine. Does that mean they're going to drain the river? Yeah. In this case, yeah, I guess. So it's probably already drained. I didn't see it in those pictures, but if it's not, it's soon to be. Yeah. Although they did that last year, or was it the year before, where they did that and did they did redid the track for the riverboat? So I don't know what they're doing now, but they're not building Galaxy's Edge back there, so I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> like hmm. they did at Disneyland. Hmm. You know, it's a little past time for this now, but at one time they did uh, float the idea around, or at least it was rumored, that they were going to change the Tom Sawyer Island theme to Lost. But yeah. I seriously doubt that's going to happen anytime soon. Well, if you watch the... <laughs> Forever. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. People are like, Lost? What was that again? <laughs> Most people yeah. don't remember at this point, the young, young folks. Yeah. It's, it's not even... Been that long. <laughs> Gosh, the show ended 10 years ago, so... Yeah, yeah, people have forgotten already, unfortunately. Good show. Yeah, it really was. Long time. Some somewhat positive news involving potential travel, right? Mm -hmm. If you thought the Beauty and the Beast attraction looked pretty cool, Mm -hmm. you might actually be able to travel there soon. Because the Japanese government is considering lifting the travel ban for foreign tourists starting in April of 2021 is could this be coincidence that they started saying that they're that this comes out not long after this attraction opens because i feel like they're they're kind of thinking on the money side when it comes to this now i was like yeah maybe we can get away with this by april and start getting people back in here that because we know people from all over the world is going to want to see this and the olympics being delayed till 2021 right to the summer of 2021 so they're also going to be looking for people to travel for that reason but i mean it opens the the doors for people to return to Tokyo, right? Yeah. And they currently have a ton of countries on their ban. They have 159, but they've lifted it for some business travelers under some conditions. Now, tourists will still be required to download a smartphone app and report on their health condition for 14 days. Tourists who test negative for the virus upon entering Japan will be allowed to watch the Olympics and Paralympics. They may also be public health centers for tourists set up in Tokyo. So there's a number of things that might be going on there. But we're really just interested in the Disney-related stuff. Adam, what are the odds you're going to try to go to Japan? <laughs> uh, it'll be a couple of years, I think. Not not next year, not 2021? It's not in the cards, yeah. I mean, probably should wait. I think I should probably wait till my kids are a little older anyway. For one. Yeah, same here. Yeah. I would love to do it sooner rather than later, but I don't know. Yeah, but definitely down the road. It's on the list. All right. Well, just a moment ago, we mentioned the Polynesian. Mm-hmm. And how about we see that I know. in the plans, the crossbeam that's been there for ages I know. is coming down. How do you feel about this? <laughs> I wonder is somebody gonna buy this and have it in their backyard one day? Someone's and, collection, <laughs> right? And like the guy who bought a monorail car has like the beam from <laughs> from the Polynesian in his backyard. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't get why they would take this down on the design. I always thought that was part of 
what you know, it was very iconic for the resort. Yeah, but. you know, it's so big and it looks cool. I've always thought it was a cool way. Plus, no matter where you are in the resort, you could look and find the great ceremonial house. Not like we didn't know where to find it, but if anybody right. was ever lost, there was an easy way to find the main building. It was it stood out. I think uh, to this day. The grounds on Polly, I could probably walk through blindfolded and find my <laughs> right. way around. Yeah. That's how many times I've been on them. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Even with the reconfigurations in some ways, I could yeah. still do it. <laughs> so it looks like in the concept art that they are going to put it back to some extent, but it doesn't look nearly as tall as it did. Yeah, it yeah. kind of looks that way. Maybe they're lowering it. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look I wonder look what the reason behind that is. Dramatic. Hmm. I don't know. They're trying to focus more on the entry where you pull Looks. up your car to dro- baggage drop off. That that is going to be more dramatic and tall. Yeah. It looks like. It reminds yeah. me of Alani. Actually, the concept art does. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Front. Kind of. Um, obviously, not nearly as tall, but the no. uh, the lobby entrance part does look a lot like Alani. Yeah. The, Interesting. Yeah. The Maybe arch. that's what they're doing. Perhaps. Again, I don't know why they felt like they needed to redo this. Maybe because people were so upset with the lobby initially when they did it five, six years ago. I don't know. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the waterfall being gone. It just took something away from the atmosphere in there. I mean, I get the reasons behind why they did it. but mm. Yeah. It was very loud. That was one negative, I guess. But it was really cool. For one, you got that smell that... We've talked about it before about our Disney smell. <laughs> it's uh, the smell. Yeah, <laughs> had that Pirates of the Caribbean kind of smell when you walked in there. Yes, just gotta love the smell of rusty old pirates. Uh, <laughs> <anyway>. Of course, <laughs> scallywags. Anyway. Scallywags. Yes. Yeah. So you had to, just something about that scent of you know like stuff burning and <laughs> people that haven't bathed in days. Okay. Sure. Exactly. That's what I always thought of when I walked in the Polynesian (laughs) back in the day. No, the water smell, of course. The part about people not bathing in days, actually, um, I could... Never mind. I've experienced that a few times in Disney World, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Well, anytime you get on the monorail after a day at the parks (laughs) in July, you smell that. All right, so the winter Summerland Miniature Golf is going to reopen and the Fantasia Gardens is going to close just for those that want to, I guess, one stayed open while the other one was closed and they're just kind of alternating them. I don't know, but so yeah, now I, the uh, mm-hmm. the Wonderland's going to be open. Right, and that makes Sorry. sense because it's Christmas-themed, isn't it? The winter Summerland, or it's, it's winter-themed, so yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, true, and yeah, the, it's going to be opening November 6th. Yeah. And the Fantasia Gardens is right next to a major construction zone right now, so I imagine might need some distance there from that. Maybe they're going to reconfigure the course, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Due to that. Yeah. Of course, the other one, the Winter Wonderland one being over pretty much on the same grounds as Blizzard Beach, mm-hmm. for those of you that may not know. But November the 6th is when they're going to basically switch places. As far as operation being operational, they're going to switch places. Yeah, I kind of want to do this. I haven't done this one for sure. That is one of the things we've actually considered doing this time coming up is playing miniature golf. Yeah, that one looks so, fun. Well, see, and people who have done them, though, they always say that Fantasia Gardens is better. I've yeah. seen that be the more popular opinion is that Fantasia 
Tamantasia. Hmm. Well, so I won't have the option. So I mean, if we're going to do it, we're going to have to do this one. So, right, exactly. There is refurbishment news. Yeah, true. Coming out of Epcot, kind of minor but interesting because it's so short. What what exactly is it they're going to do? Right. I'm. I'm with frozen. Yeah. I think I know what it is that they're going to say. The fact that more often than not now you have somebody, something something broken when you ride it. I mean. Yeah. Well, Olaf is giving people seizures when you go by the first Olaf. Uh, <laughs> or, because, he's, or, or he's staring possessed. awkwardly at Sven. Yeah. So I imagine they're going to put some new light bulbs in uh, Olaf's head or whatever is flickering. It's, it looks like a fluorescent light or something flickering. You know how that happens. Maybe it's getting a software update. whatever it is yeah (laughs) so my guess is it's some maintenance like that because we've seen more than one occasion where the olaf the first olaf is uh, eyes are flickering so yeah but it's only gonna be it was like five days november the second through november the sixth yeah five days is very so like i said a extremely short amount of time so it can't be anything too major how many days does it take to screw in two light bulbs behind Olaf's <laughs> head? Anyway. Well, I mean, with the layoffs, maybe that's the reason why it's <laughs> so point. long. It takes five days, yeah. Yeah. Someone, I'm sure, will make a note, vlogger-wise, to, to be there right after it reopens, though, to see if they notice anything, even mm-hmm. if it's like, you know, a speck of dirt has been moved yeah. on the ride. So, Well, if Jason gets to do it on his two hours at Epcot, this week, we'll see if he notices anything. Uh, if I had two hours at Epcot, I'd, I don't think I'd spend it at Frozen. But anyway. Yeah. Well, who knows? <laughs> I, you know, we'll, we'll see what he does. I, I know what he's going to do. He's going to ride Figment about six times and then leave. That's what he's going to do. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. He's going to go yeah, straight right. there, ride that. Maybe he'll go to the seas once or twice, and then he'll leave. I was going to say he's going to just do the whole Grand Fiesta Margarita Challenge. Oh, you know, yeah. he might do that, too. He might do that, too. <laughs> That's probably or not necessarily margarita, whatever out of the cava challenge. Yeah, well, I know for for real, serious in all seriousness, he's going to get a frozen Kirin at Japan. Uh, we know that's, that's for sure. That's something he, something he's latched onto. Oh, I yeah. guess that's like a must do every time now. So interesting, frozen it's Kirin. Frozen Kirin. Anyway, all right. So I I had a couple others that I considered doing, but I don't really think I think we it doesn't really fit. So why don't we just move? Especially because time has moved along. Yeah. And you know you get the gist of everything. So let's move along to our movie review, which I hope I remember what I watched because <laughs> it's been <laughs> a little bit now. Yeah. It's been a few days. This is one even Jason did. I so I said he watched the movie in vain now since he's. But we have some comments from him that we might can... <laughs> yeah, I'll interject. All right, Adam, you want to maybe start this one off with your thoughts or how kind of bring us into this one? Yeah, this so... Was, this, was, this was your brainchild to do these reviews, the, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, the Disney so. Plus reviews. So, yeah. The Rocketeer, 1991 uh, film from Disney Studios, well, Disney Pictures. I mentioned that because it probably would have done better under the Touchstone brand rather than the Disney brand only because I think it's a little bit more adult for what Disney did back in the early 90s especially you know to me I think it it feels it doesn't feel like a Disney film in a lot of ways I forced Jason to watch this movie at my house 
over the weekend, which is kind of ironic that he's not here to talk about it. So I'm going to make sure he says a few words uh, next week about it. But I asked him several points during the watching of it. Does this feel like a Disney movie to you? And he's like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like a Disney movie. It feels like, you know, a 90s action film. You know, it had some language that you don't normally associate with Disney movies of the period especially, but... I, th- I like the movie. I, it's a great movie to me. I think it's really underrated, and uh, I think it's worth watching if you haven't seen it before. It's cliche in a lot of ways, and, t- and it's a typical 90s film, but it's a shame it didn't do as well as it did. I think it's well acted. The dialogue is good. The music is great. The story could probably be a little bit different, I think. Maybe it's a little over the top, especially the ending, but I still think it's fun. And the point of those movies is you're not supposed to care that much about the details and the plot being perfect and all that. It's just a fun ride, and that's kind of what this movie is. It's very much comparable to, say, like The Mummy or Indiana Jones Mm, Yeah, as far as like the style. That's a good comparison, too. Because Indiana Jones, I mean, let's be honest, like 99.9% of the stunts done in that thing, there's no way that you could pull off in real life, okay? (laughs) Yeah. That sort of thing. Right. So there's no way it would work, that anything would come out that way. Yeah. It's similar in that aspect. And you mentioned the swearing. I only remember the one phrase right off the top of my head was when, you know, John Locke from Lost. What's his real name? And I forgot. Howard Hughes. (laughs) Oh, oh my gosh. Um, See, I can't think of it either. Anyway. He played Howard Hughes in this, but I mean, when it went out the oh window gosh. and he like he was like SOB, it will fly or something like that. No, there's a few other. I must have missed. Other. Maybe I was desensitized, like we talked about that time. When right. I, I mean, today <laughs> no one would. Terry O'Quinn, by the way, Terry O'Quinn. That's it. Yes, Terry O'Quinn. Yeah, it escaped me as well. Again, to, by today's standards, this is nothing. But back oh, then, right. you know, I think it stood out a little more that. Especially a Disney film. You know, today this well, is like The Incredibles had the same amount of language that uh, Incredibles 2, I mean, than this film. But it was a different time back then, I think. Yeah, The Incredibles 2 is the one I was surprised to hear what I heard, but it wasn't... Yeah, it didn't shock me, though. It wasn't like, oh my gosh. I was just like, oh, they use... I think they, there was a couple in there, but... I thought it was just one, but I think there was maybe, two. maybe I'm wrong. If I remember right, there was two. But again, anyway... Who's counting this this point? If you... But here's the thing. If you go back to, this is why it's kind of weird saying, like you said, the whole Touchstone Pictures versus Walt Disney Pictures thing. Mm-hmm. They actually did release it in Touchstone Pictures yeah, internationally, internationally yeah. for some reason. Well, I think it was that was the reason was because they felt it would do better under that brand than the Disney. Name. Than the Disney brand? Yeah. And that may have been true. But when I think of stuff like I wouldn't have necessarily associated with Disney if I didn't know that they were, you know, in the parks. Like, for instance, it was in your face whenever Disney Studios opened things like Who Framed Roger Rabbit in the late mm-hmm. 80s. Yep. I mean, you had cartoons cussing in that one. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hence the reason I thought they put it under the Touchstone brand. And the fact that it was a little more, there was a little more adult humor in that one, too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is another reason why they didn't really put it under the Disney moniker except for they they always made these almost like inside jokes when they say stuff like you know i dumbo i got him on loan from disney and stuff like that in that in that particular movie but with rocketeer i actually made this comment i think to you about the getup that he was wearing as like i think it was what brendan fraser's inspiration for rick o'connell in the mummy (laughs) what's this get what's his get up that's true right yeah he did wear a uh, jacket even the hairstyle yeah (laughs) <laughs> that is interesting even, now to think about it, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, even down to the hairstyle. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. movie, there was a f- 
few, and I'm trying to remember if it's still there. I should have asked Jason to look. There, uh, there was the rocket and the helmet. That was at a was it a quick service location? Oh, I think I know what you're talking about because I I want to say it was actually in the Backlot Express. It may have Am been I wrong. Yeah. It, it's in. I that, think it was in the Backlot Express. I think it was in the area. Yeah, I, I can't remember now, but I think it was hidden behind a curtain or something. The last time I saw somebody go find it, but it didn't get a huge presence in the parks. Although I think didn't they have like a rocketeer person in the studios at one point they may have they had all kinds of things in the studios at one point from ninja turtles to right. a very short-lived ace ventura show to exactly i mean they've had all <laughs> yeah dick tracy was there for a while but actually dick tracy was a once again another touchstone pictures film mm-hmm. right that it's funny some of the scenes in rocketeer actually reminded me or actually brought to mind dick tracy again and i went and watched that one already <laughs> as well uh, yeah just to see the differences in that but anyway back to this movie the rocketeer it's estimated the budget was between 35 and 40 million dollars and it made back 46.7 million dollars i think that was u.s box office i'm not sure what the worldwide was yeah so disappointing yeah overall not a huge hit by any means it barely made its money back so it it kind of got forgotten over the years with the exception of the music from it. Yeah, right? the theme is well known and well used in a lot of different things. So the sound, like I said, the soundtrack is is really good. James Horner did it. So he's a well-known composer. And even the old late 30s swing music, if you want to call it, or jazz music that's played like at the South Seas Club is really a nice touch as well. It, it adds to the film in a really good way, I think. And... That leads to a cameo that Melora Hardin, a.k.a. Jan from The Office, played the singer at the South Seas Club, which I hadn't seen this movie in so long. Now seeing it again, that stood out to me. I was like, that's Jan, wow. And of course, Terry O'Quinn being in Lost, I had remembered that one. Paul Sorvino as Eddie Valentine I thought was really good. He's in a lot of movies. Arguably the best gangster movie of all time. Goodfellas. Aside from maybe The Godfather, but... Well, I mean, he definitely has the the look and the voice, I guess, to play a, a gangster-type character mm-hmm. a good bit. Right. The stereotypical gangster. He was probably, type. his longest tenured role actually was on Law & Order, though. He was on the other side right, <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah. But so. I, I thought his character was great. And Timothy Dalton, fresh off of being James Bond for the second yeah. time, playing uh, the villain in this film, Neville Sinclair, I thought I think, was really good, too. Don't you mean fresh out of being kicked out of being James Bond well, because the sure. person they originally wanted became available? <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he was an okay Bond. I didn't think he was he, bad. Yeah, it was all right. But, you know. He was another, the bloody Bond, right? Yeah. That's another topic Pretty for much. another show, really. Different, yeah. Another type of show. A different podcast, even. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe exactly. we should consider another one. No. <laughs> the movie podcast. I don't know. Alan Arkin, also, I was going to mention, was fantastic in this movie. I thought it was really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Alan Arkin. There's a couple of faces you might recognize as like character actors, I guess, of the age. Yeah. That didn't really go on to do much as well. I can't think of the guy that plays the, he was in several things. I can't even think of his name, but the guy that plays the guy who's, it's all part of the show. Oh, yeah. He's been in a few things, but. John Polito. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. He was in like Miller's Crossing, which was the same year, I think, and some other stuff of that era too, playing similar characters. 
Do you know the really the first thing in this movie though that reminded me of Dick Tracy and making me want to watch it was the face on the big guy. What was his name again? The muscle. But anyway, the way his face was made up is what made me think of Dick Tracy because everybody in Dick Tracy's face, all the villains anyway, had something similar as far as that type of makeup and stuff. <laughs> That's another right. thing that made me think of that. One of the best lines in the movie was one of the gangsters was saying, relax, Frankenstein, you ain't bulletproof. Yeah. That kind of a gangster dialogue, I, I right. love. It's just really funny. <laughs> right. The only thing I ever remember with him is like, the rocket. Yeah. Where is it? Uh, I think <laughs> That's it, the, one, the line I always remember. His name was Luther, I think. or Lo- Yes, yes, think yes. That yeah. makes sense. And, uh, you know, it's uh, I just popped into my head that his real name is listed as Tiny Ron, which is right. really bizarre. But he's listed as the guy in the Naked Gun movie, the, the guy you never see yes, his face. Al. Yeah, Al. Yes, Al. You never see <laughs> his face. Popped into my head. He did a couple of things. He's yeah. passed on now. Yeah. Probably due to his size, but he was a great character too, though. People that are that giant don't usually live long lives. Yeah, right. That large. Yeah, it's usually a health condition. So Jason sent us a note about this movie that he wanted us to read on his behalf. And it says, The Rocketeer is THE, in all caps, so he wanted to emphasize THE quintessential 90s movie. Predictable and linear plot, absurd leaps of faith, cheesy stereotypes and cheesy lines all around grand time and teaches everyone to always check the bushes for Nazis, the skies <laughs> and the skies for surprise. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the most ridiculous part of the movie is the ending where, you know, all of a sudden the stakes just keep getting higher and higher and back and forth and wait, he's a Nazi. Well, all of a sudden the Nazis come out of the bushes and right. And right. then the feds show up and put the lights on and it's like, then all of a sudden shootout between Nazis and feds and gangsters and, yeah, it's yeah. like the gangster shows that I have some morals. Right, exactly. Um, right. I don't deal with Nazis. I don't deal with no two-bit Nazi, <laughs> as he would say. Paul Sarvino, right. great in that movie. Then there's one that's no dialogue where the FBI guy and him are shooting Tommy guns next to each other, and they just sort of give a little look at each other, a little smile, and they just keep shooting. I think that's fantastic, too. It's quintessential yeah. 90s, as, as Jason said. Yeah. You know, when I was talking about the uh, about Luther and yeah. his part in the movie, that was another thing that was kind of more gruesome yeah. or something you didn't expect to see in a Disney film at that right. time was like the way he killed two people. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? right. We cut uh, that was not in something. Half. Yeah, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah, it was one of those things you didn't expect to see out of a Disney film at that time, I don't think. Yeah. And something else that was unexpected that I remember watching Jason's face in shock when he saw it was Howard Hughes, when they showed the film of the Germans trying to test their rocket and the guy like catches on fire and blows up and the guy's like (laughs) trying to crawl around and they're trying to extinguish the fire and the guy's, you know, obviously like blew up. (laughs) See, I didn't even think about stuff like that even back then. Yeah, I mean, right. So I remember his Jason's face was like, holy crap, the guy just blew up. Yeah. You know, for for some reason, when I watched it when I was younger, I had it in my head that he spent a little more time as the Rocketeer throughout the movie than he did, yeah. but he really didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> when it was all said and done. Yeah, I'm sure it's a grand total of like eight minutes of film time where he's actually yeah, on the rocket. Yeah, like on the rocket. Probably yeah. not even that long. Yeah, it's not long <laughs> that yeah. he's actually on the rocket. Yeah. So... 
Yeah, it's not yeah. like he goes around fighting crime. He's just literally doing one right. thing and they're trying to get the rocket back. But, you know, the main thing when this is all said and done is when the movie's over with, did you enjoy it and did you have a good time watching it? And I can say, yes, I even did now. I mean, going back and seeing it again, yeah. I had a good time watching it. Right. So that's the main thing. Exactly. I do pick these things apart to some degree. Like I said, the, the Zeppelin at the end, how it conveniently blew up from front to back for yeah, him. Right. Whereas if you watch a, <laughs> a video of the Hindenburg, it's engulfed with flames almost instantaneously. But in the movie... It takes more than like forty-five seconds for it to blow up, but, right? Or more than that. I, I, I don't know. They were literally running for I don't know how long. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like it, it conveniently exploded from the front all the way back, and they gave them time to run off. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the back of it. <laughs> but uh, another cool little funny part of the film, which is kind of disturbing and violent in a way too, is that Neville Sinclair. You know, when the rocket blows up because it was leaking and you know all that that i thought that was a cool way to go out you know for him but yeah. he's falling on the hollywood land sign and knocking the land down uh, yeah that's, that's I what that i was, was gonna fun. say i was like their method of how the hollywood land sign became just hollywood, <laughs> hollywood yeah. is much better than the real story <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> so i thought that was a cool way to explain something that's not really exciting to explain. And that was another thing I didn't think of back in the day, which I did now. Like there was a point in time in the movie where I just noticed, I was like, oh, they, they're they keeping true to the time period because it says Hollywood land in the background. Right, yeah. You know, and I didn't even remember the part about him destroying the land part. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and making it correct again. I was like, oh, I mean, they, but I'm just, I was thinking along the lines of, hey, they're staying historic accurate. Yeah. It says Hollywood land currently. You know, that was the first thing I thought of. That was before the ending, obviously, so. It's a shame. It was a nice car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. What would you rate the film out of 10? I mean, you know, it's not the greatest film of all time, but I mean, like I said, it's enjoyable and it's rewatchable, so I'll give it a, I guess, a 7. I think I would go a solid 8 on this one. I think solid 8? Yeah. Okay. I think it's really fun, and again, it's not one of those you're supposed to pay attention to the plot and enjoy cohesiveness. It's just a fun ride of a film, you know. See, you got to remember, I'm I'm a tough teacher. I don't I don't give out too many one hundreds. Right. So, I mean, that's why. I... <laughs> I liked it a lot, and I I remember I watched this movie a lot as a kid. But I think we recorded it off the Disney Channel, if I remember right. Yeah, it did show on the Disney Channel at one point. Yeah. yeah. So I remember, I think we had a VHS of it, and I watched it a lot as a kid, and probably haven't seen it in twenty five years. Maybe I'm thinking. I don't know. Somewhere in that range. And seeing it again, eh, I think it holds up still. I think it's a good good movie. It brought back a lot of memories of, as a kid enjoying it. So I think it's a good yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth having on their collection on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So Yeah, I think it's a good... And if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time, I think it's worth a rewatch or a watch. There you go. Yeah. Worth watching. I agree. Take it for what it is, though, like, like Jason said on that yeah just remember that remember it's it's a a 90s film so right so i guess that means it's time to wrap this thing up oh and i forgot to mention last week since we're coming here to the end of the end of the show Mm -hmm. i forgot to mention last week about any new subscribers on youtube i realized that after the fact i apologize because you know as i said we're trying to grow the channel and so I would like to mention it anytime someone new comes on board, which we actually had, 
Ricardo, if I say it right, Cochran, Cochron. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. Thank you for subscribing to our channel. Hopefully we'll do, we'll be adding content that you enjoy and will stay with us and continue along. Right. So, so that's just one of the many things we're involved in. So on social media, you can find us on Facebook and we have Twitter and Instagram. That's all at TWTM podcast. We have a Spreadshirt store, which you can get your exclusive uh, TWTM podcast merchandise at shop.spreadshirt.com slash TWTM podcast. And we have our website, which is travelingwithmouse.com. You can find links to all those things and more, including our YouTube channel. So go subscribe there. And we have an email address, which is podcast at travelingwithmouse.com. You can reach out to us that way. All right, so for uh, Adam, and my name is John. This has been Traveling with the Mouse. We hope you will join us on our next safe and socially distanced trip.